Utility companies are having record profits. Our energy bills are skyrocketing, even though we're using less energy. And Colorado's supposed to meet some renewable mandate without putting everyone into bankruptcy? Amy Cook, who runs the Energy Policy Center at Independence Institute, answers these tough questions. I'm John Caldera. This is the audio version of our TV show, Devil's Advocate. You can watch that show by going to our YouTube channel, IITV. It stands for Independence Institute Television. Or just go to thinkfreedom.org. This conversation will surprise you. You've missed her, I've missed her, but she's back in town, Amy Cook, the energy czarina of, well, Colorado and the nation now. Thanks for being here. Actually, I like the title. If only I were the czarina. Think czarina. of all the good we could accomplish. Like what? It would be authoritarianism You are for already good, authoritarian. For good. <laughs> for those who don't know, Amy was a key part of what we did at Independence Institute until she sued me for sexual harassment and left, but now... It was part of the settlement. It was part of the settlement. <laughs> Actually, the part I, I required. <laughs> part of the settlement was that she had to come back and help us with our energy policy work. So. Yeah, yeah. Wait a second. What kind of, I, who was my negotiator? Bad negotiator. Um, before we get into what, what you're doing in energy, which is mind-boggling, particularly here in Colorado, to show the costs of oh, the you new mean, energy. You mean the real costs? Like what things are actually going to cost? Those costs. <laughs> Let me ask you the general question. Mm -hmm. uh, long time ago when I asked you to do something on energy, you didn't seem all that turned on by it. We had, we had to do an article on er energy and I was looking around and said, well, Amy can do anything. Amy, would you please write this up? I love your revisionist history. And you are, and well, then it goes like this. No, I don't want to. I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. And, but it has become such a passion of yours that energy policy is not just about kilowatts. You, you really understand the power about power. What, That's what, hilarious. That's actually good. Thank um, you. I'm, I'm a marketer. No, what, what is it about this area that is, is so human to you? Energy is a new economic paradigm. It's in everything. So your food prices are more expensive because it costs more to power the factory where something is processed. It costs more to run the farm. It costs more to, you know, build the truck that has to just, you know, that has to transport the stuff. It is in everything. We as conservatives for a long time ignored energy because we were so enamored with tax rates. Great. Well, except for the fact that the biggest tax hike is the one you likely never voted on. And it is the one you pay every single month. So, and, and I actually did this math because it's the kind of stuff I do for fun is, um, and this will go back to 1999 Independence Institute. Commissioned a paper with Wayne Cruz, who I believe was at CEI. CEI, yeah. The cost per kilowatt hour for electricity, 5.9 cents per kilowatt hour which was probably below the national average, but probably about in line with the rest of the Mountain West. Right. So I recently paid our XL bill for Colorado, or the one, you know, for our house in Greeley, and it was just shy of 16 cents per kilowatt hour. So in the last 23 years, it's gone up, what is that, about 2.7 times, far greater than the rate of inflation. And it's nothing you ever really voted on 
what you did vote on, what we in Colorado voted on, were the legislators who we put into, you know, under the gold dome, who then passed all of these these uh, bills signed mostly by Democrat governors. That is now making our power almost three times more expensive. It is the new economic paradigm. It's a way to keep poor people poor because now right. they're working just to keep their homes heated. But let me let me push back. No, that can't be because since you looked at that back in nineteen, that was, was. nineteen ninety nine, and I wasn't even here yet. But right. I but I so since, I have since the documents. Then, since nineteen ninety nine, the fuel that powers our state has gone down in price. Furthermore, yet zero. It's free. It's free. <laughs> no, not that. I'm talking about fossil fuels. Uh, 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 natural gas, coal, for the last 25 years has been on a steady decline of cost. At the same time, the amount of energy we use because of technology and conservation is also going down those last 25 years. Therefore, by any economic theory, when your demand is low, the supply is high high, the price will be lower, much, much lower. So you must have misread your Excel bill because if the inputs for energy are at an all-time low and demand is at an all-time low, prices have to be at an all-time low. That's the Did beauty of socialism, isn't it? Because you know what? Actually, um, while per capita energy use might be less, we actually are using more electricity because the population has increased and the demand will continue to increase. And here's the worst part. Um, because of EV mandates coming from Jared Polis, also from the electrification, the what we call what the electrification of the economy, EVs, buildings, everything else, the, the, the growth in demand, the demand for electricity will go significantly higher, as will the cost. Or your other option is to not have power, which means rolling blackouts. And people like you, people like me, who aren't the wealthy ones, won't get, we will be the ones who will be, um, when the rolling blackouts come, our neighborhoods are the ones that will be affected. So to your point, if, if you were a, so if the price of the fuel goes down and if um, we're getting more efficient with our use of it, why aren't prices going down? That's a great question, but that is not the way it works in electricity generation. But the thing is, hold on, hold on. Here's the difference. Here's the key, because I know you want to say something. In Colorado, Colorado has pursued this fantasy of wind and solar powering the state, which of course should make it even cheaper, right? Because they're I was just gonna say, free. They're free. They're free. Listen, they're lady, free. the sun shines for free. The wind we, blows. The wind blows you, for free. Therefore, again, the fuel cost is going down. So therefore, prices should be going down because this is free energy. It's all free, and that you sound just like, um, oh my God, Ron Bins and some of the others. Um, at the state legislature back in the early 2000s, here's the thing. Converting wind and solar 
converting the sunshine and the wind blowing into electricity is super expensive. It's really, really expensive because, now I don't want to get too geeky, but it's dependent upon the weather. So let's just say there's a day when the sun doesn't shine. We don't have a lot of those in Colorado, but let's say it's a day right after, right after a very heavy snowstorm. We've used a lot of electricity because now we've gotten rid of natural gas appliances, natural gas heaters, all the rest. So we're energy electrified. This is terrific. And we've had a cold, cold snap and the sun doesn't shine. The, the sun isn't shining or it's covered with, let's say, snow. eight inches of snow, which isn't unrealistic. Um, you can't produce power. You, it's weather dependent. It, it, it relies on the sun shining, and when the sun doesn't shine or the wind doesn't blow, if you actually want power, if you want the lights to come on, if your kid's lying on the operating room table and you, want, you actually want them to be performing surgery in something other than candlelight, you have to have backup, backup resources. So what you end up doing is you build redundancies. So you build double the amount. And if we are to power our state using only wind and solar, as the governor has said repeatedly, it's gonna be 100% renewables. When somebody says something, take them at their word, we will have to build out about 10 times the, the generation capacity that we have right now in order to try and power the state. And we'll still have times where we won't have enough power. So- No, let me get to that. No, I'm challenging you on this okay. one. You just said, if we're gonna go all renewable, mm -hmm. that we will need to build 10, 10 Actually, times. I think it's more than that. I think it's 14 times. I'm trying to remember, but it's like at least 10. And even then, during high demand periods, yeah. we will still have blackouts. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Knowing the answer to this, where did you come up with these crazy numbers? I know, right? You just pulled them out of your, out of a hat. <laughs> See how I did there? <laughs> I can tell that, that this actually goes on a PBS station or something. <laughs> um, it's the whiskey. Yeah, well, yeah, it makes you kinder and gentler. It does. <laughs> and my thanks to Keeper's Heart, the official whiskey of Devil's Advocate. I didn't know that. Well, well great. It, it, is now. It, it is now. It is now. They don't it know it now. either. It is. <laughs> uh, lucky them. Um, <laughs> there goes so, their sales. So we actually, um, I was working with Jake Fogelman, excellent energy policy analyst at the Independence Institute. I don't know who's responsible for hiring him, but he is spectacular. So Let me see. I, who who did hire him? It was several, a couple of years back. I think Dave was the first one. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was you. No, I didn't hire him. Okay. I, yeah, I, I wish. I'd, I would have stolen him. But um, anyway, um, working with, with Jake, we actually did a series of three papers where, um, and it was building off of a paper we did in 2019 because um, at the time, Governor Polis, he um, was running on 100% renewable energy. I mean, he ran, was that 2016? He ran 100% renewable right. energy. And nobody, nobody would ask how much is this going to cost? They wouldn't, can we do it? Uh, they didn't ask that. They didn't ask how much it would cost. And we kept, I kept 
tweeting and we kept saying, right. how much is this going to cost? No one would ask. So we said, okay, well, if no one's going to going to ask, we're going to try and figure it out because the governor wouldn't give us any figures. So we figured it out and we came up, we worked with, a, with the uh, Center of the American Experiment in Minnesota, who has two energy policy analysts. One has a master's degree in, um, has a graduate degree in economics and, ener- and does economic energy modeling. So he created the model. We were able to figure out how much it would cost to power the state using 100% wind and solar and batteries, which don't even exist. But he was going to do, you know, batteries were going to be a part of it. So we figured the cost, plus we figured the land use, both of which at the time I thought, this was in 2019 when we did this, I thought, I can't publicize this. Let me see if I got this right. You came up with results. Yeah. And the results were so Outlandish. I thought it was. I thought it was you, a you, lie. You you could not that with a straight face publish these numbers. And we did, but I didn't. We didn't we, make a big deal because I because was, it seemed out of. It just it seemed, seemed so wild. It seemed it 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 seemed something at, like in the stratosphere. It was like this. This is crazy. And what happened? So, so we um we put it out there. And by the way, the number with with all of it was around, just shy of. 900 billion with the B dollars to build out this to build out wind solar and batteries and that wasn't even taking everything into account but that was wind solar and batteries um and no one took us seriously and to some extent I can kind of see why it was a crazy number nobody would have believed it so um fast forward it's 2023 um Polis and, and, and the, the left continue to double down on this 100% renewable. Meanwhile, just so you know, other states out there are doing much smarter things. They might have a clean energy goal or a carbon neutrality goal. We'll get into that in a little bit. But, but, but they aren't crazy. You know, right. so, so they're doing it in a, in a much better way. So um, I come back to help Jake work through this. It What started out with the green building codes. And what we did was the um, a series of three papers looking at what the cost is going to be now with, um, with 100% renewable plus EVs plus, uh, you know, electrification of buildings. And, um, you know, with the batteries and what kind of, what, you know, everything, pretty the all-in cost of it. And what we found now is the price has come down a little bit. Seven hundred billion. Seven hundred. So, so you feel better. So <laughs> feel better. So what we realize is, oh my gosh, this is actually like this is true. The the modelers, the modeling has improved, but the key that we've been able to do this time, John, that I think it's going to be is most is most interesting. Besides the fact that it's going to cost seven hundred billion dollars. Um, we actually are able now to model for reliability. So if you put a price on reliability, like for instance, you think it's important that you- it, yeah, Your heat w- works all the time? Right, or that when you, yeah, when it's when it's two below zero that you have power in your house. Um, we've been able to model that. And even if you were to do everything perfectly, we our prediction is we will have somewhere around 35, 36, maybe upwards of 40 hours 
where we will not be able to. And this is based on so, years in various years. I mean, we could, we could have, depending on weather, a work week without power. Yes. Spread across. Right. Where, where, right, where, right. 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 Let me. While while you take a sip of vodka, let me put out this thought, which is, the promise of one hundred percent renewable. Seems like putting the X on the wrong mark, which is. We, we want to do this environmental thing. And so what we want is 100% renewable. Why renewable? Isn't the goal to be environmentally sound? Isn't it to have zero emissions or zero carbon or other things, not necessarily directing what the technology is because technology changes? Um, uh, why put the X on renewables instead of the X on some sort of limitation on CO2. Right, right, which would make it a much better. So don't, or, so if the policy outcome is what, if what you actually want is cleaner air. Yeah, do you want clean, cleaner air cleaner, or do you want renewables? Are, are, right. they mutually, are they mutually exclusive? Yes, so, 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 so just because you have 100% renewables does not mean you have cleaner air. It does not necessarily, because if you look at the CO2, if you look at the total, the total emissions from start to finish of solar panels, there was just a study out of Italy that said, if you look at, if, if you look at the total processing of solar panels from start to finish, you don't lower so, global emissions. This is a global problem. So Colorado can say, hey, we're all renewable here. But the chemical spewage from building this stuff still affects the entire globe, it, which is what we're trying to protect. So the life cycle of a solar panel is not zero emissions. The life cycle of, of a wind turbine is not zero emissions. So if your goal is cleaner air, and what do they say? Existential threat facing the planet they talk about greenhouse gas emissions or climate change or whatever they, you know, whatever the word du jour is. But wind and solar is not the way to solve it. Michael Schellenberger has been just phenomenal on this. He said the reporter. Yeah. Oh, well, actually, Michael Schellenberger, who wrote this phenomenal book called Apocalypse Never, and he literally apologized for his. Uh, maybe that's uh, that that might be overstating it, but what he did was was talk about the regret he had to adding to the climate hysteria and climate alarmism. And he's, got, he's, he's a nuclear advocate. He said if the people, he said it's amazing how the people that scream the loudest about climate change and you have to stop it now are the biggest opponents of the cleanest form of energy, which is nuclear. They're the, they are the biggest obstacle to nuclear power. I'll talk about Which nuclear. we Let could me, do all, we could solve all of this with nuclear energy. When you put up wind farms and you put up um, solar farms, you have to have backup generators. You have to buy two power plants instead of one. For when right. the sun doesn't shine, the wind doesn't blow, they have backup natural gas generators, which right. pop up pretty quickly, uh, turn on pretty quickly. And that's what you have. So. The beautiful thing for Excel Energy or any power utility that likes to build things is you get to buy two. Why buy one when you could buy two at twice the price and pass the cost on to your customers 
and then add 10% profit to it on top of that. So Excel is not in the energy business. They are in the building crap business and triple charging their captive customers for it. So you're not wrong about the business model, 100% agree, but I blame the legislature. The legislature created the environment that allows Excel to do that. And then Jared Polis, we have, we probably have, when I say we in Colorado, probably have the worst public utilities commission. Certainly As in my measured time. by what? Um, well, so we have two, two people that were solar developers in the past that sit on the commission. Can you imagine if we had two oil and gas guys sitting on that commission? You know what we used to have in the past? You know what we used to sit on the commission? Regulatory attorneys, attorneys that actually got it, attorneys that actually knew this stuff. Not, you know, not, what, people, these, who, not people who already chose the winners and losers that's right. from an industry. They, if, and the way you put it, that's just worth repeating. If, if you had oil and gas executives on the PUC, could you imagine what uh, the left would do? Imagine what mind. the media would do, how, how awful it would be but you have people from the solar industry and advocates on the PUC. These are people who think, who, who seem to think of themselves more as energy secretaries for wind and solar than they do as neutral regulators of um, running a government agency. And this gets back to Polis personally. Those people are appointed yes. by the governor solely. These are his uh, folks. Something that most people don't know is that for a long time there was kind of a grand bargain um, on energy monopolies. Yes, Excel, you are going to get a monopoly. You're going to get a guaranteed profit. You, you buy a pen or a pencil, you got to add 10% to the cost and you get a profit on it. Anything you do, you turn left, you turn right, you're going to get a guaranteed profit. I think last year they made 14% uh, profit. Uh, I don't know anybody else who is returning that kind well, of Well, we should all be invested in that. We should. But the guarantee was, the, the, the bargain was, you get all that free, free money and no competition, but you have to answer to the PUC that you are doing it at the lowest cost, that you will provide our customers, our people with the lowest cost, and then you get a guaranteed monopoly. That's the bargain. That bargain got changed. Uh, and you have to remind me of the story, but instead of saying our first goal at the PUC is low-cost, reliable energy, and now it is a fluffy butterfly term of, right. of rainbows and unicorns uh, and environmental awareness at reasonable cost. Well, it's actually Once you open that floodgate, the PUC is not, is not the, the, the safety valve on a monopoly, they are the enabler for a monopoly to make hand, money hand over fist. Well, what that is, it, so so that was under Ron Benz, and Ron Benz, who by the was um, uh, chair of the PUC, he was appointed by Bill Ritter. You might remember that uh, a few of us got together and and helped um, publicized some of Ron Benz's deeds, so deeds, so he couldn't be chairman of the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission. Which he was chosen by Obama he to do. He was chosen by Obama. I've I had, feel really bad that, I have that, more, that, we, have, that we, we scuttled that. Yeah, you we have scuttled that. More than, we have more than one person that has thanked us for that. Um, but that was Ron Benz. So it used to be that the mission of the PUC was least cost, reliable power. And then 
to your point, they'd get a guaranteed rate of return. Okay, that's fair. If it, 5.9 cents per kilowatt hour, if, it, if that had kept up with inflation, just if it had just stayed even with inflation, we'd probably be, I don't know. Eight cents? Nine, maybe 10, 10 on the out. I mean, maybe, but, but we're not. We're far higher than that. What, what Ron Bins did was change the mission of the Public Utilities Commission to be, um, what do you say, reliable power at a reasonable price consistent with the social, economic, and environmental values of the state of Colorado. So what is, that's a What the (laughs) hell does that mean? What a pile of oatmeal. You could, that's whatever you want it to be. That's a Rorschach test. That's exactly right. So what that means, that's a signal to, you know, your monopoly utility to, um, if we tell you to do something, do it, or if, and then we're going to reward you. And that's essentially what they've done. Um, I was, for, we, you know, one of the, the fights we had was fuel switching, which was House Bill 1310 back in 2010. Um, and that's where... A it, day it, which will live in infamy. Right. And, and if you remember, well, I, yeah, I, I only remember because... Because it was awful. I, yeah, and I, I feel like I've got the battle scars still left. And God bless for, Republicans for making it happen. Don't even get me started. But um, Ron Bins, the chairman of the Public Utilities Commission, was negotiating the cost recovery language on, on that legislation, unbeknownst to the public. So, so the guy who's supposed to be calling balls and strikes was... Protecting customers right, right. first. Right, was negotiating the cost recovery language behind closed doors with legislators and Excel. I, I, How unethical. It's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. Which, I mean, get, which gets back to the whole unethical way we do energy in Colorado. Let me continue with, with the fuel switching. So this is the way I put it. We have the Comanche power plants. Tell me what I've got wrong. Oh, which is, I'll so be we, happy to. <laughs> yeah, what, 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 I shouldn't even have to say that. Um, so they're coal. Terrific. And then we upgrade it to the most, world's most clean coal plant on the planet. Which we paid for. Which we, so we now have two mortgages for the same electricity. That coal plant is set to retire in 2070. So close to 50 years from now. So again, we're now we're paying two mortgages. But along comes a fuel switching, and now we're going to demolish it and put up a, uh, a something else. Uh, I think it's going to be either a, a natural gas or well, something else. Point being, yeah. whatever it is, yeah. it, it is now we're paying three times. It's like buying three houses, um, uh, but you only live in one house. You're still, now we're paying three times over for the same kilowatt. No wonder your bill is up. Right. And who gets wealthy? The cronies yeah. at Excel. But so so but there there's also another thing in this. The wind and solar lobby are some of the largest lobbying groups. Um, especially at I mean at the federal level, but listen, do not underestimate the power of the wind and solar lobby too. Also the environmental left lobby, the Sierra Club, the NRDC, that the the the, the settlement with Comanche, which is why we paid for all of the environmental upgrades on Comanche. Um, 
was thanks to the Sierra Club because Sierra Club was part of, and Western Energy, no, Western. Um, Western Energy Alliance? No, 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 no. It's the, um, gosh, a, a mind is a terrible thing as you get older. But um, <laughs> um, let's put it this way. A, a, a cabal of environmental left groups led by, by the Sierra Club, NRDC, others, sued over Comanche. They got the settlement that included all of those environmental scrubbers. So, and, and the, the latest and greatest technology, to your point, to make Comanche some of the most environmentally friendly coal-fired power in the country. It's one of the greatest plants. So, uh, that, so that the, the environmental left celebrated that. Then they come back again. And that wasn't enough. It wasn't enough for us to pay for all of that. Now they want to shut down these assets that we've already, that we're paying for or have that paid for. That are supposed for, to last for the next 50 years. That we won't, that we won't get to use because enter the environmental left and the people under the gold dome that are now allowing all of this to happen. Excel's willing to do it because as their asset base goes up to your, to your point, you know, 10% of, of 10 billion is a whole lot more than 10% of 5 billion. So they, they, they're more than happy to build, but it's, it's the legislature and it is uh, the governor. They're allowing all of this. To, they're not just allowing, they're encouraging it. And they're, you know, the environmental up, the Sierra Clubs of the world that are suing over this. That's why we're paying for all of this. And it's amazing that while their guaranteed profit goes up, our costs go up, and the shareholders of Excel yeah. pay nothing. So there is, there is no reason for Excel not to go with the most lavish, biggest, uh, um, gold-plated wind farm plans that you could have, because the bigger it is, the more they make. There is no cost to them, unlike a regular business, to, to try to economize. There's but no again, reason to do it, it. It, it, it. No, there is no reason. But again, someone's allowing them to do it. It's, it's, it's like, um, it, you know, if you have a rattlesnake and you don't think it's going to bite you, you're out of your mind. But, but it, it, and if you let it out, it's, gonna, it, it's going to. But people My, honestly want a cleaner environment. You can't blame voters <laughs> for saying, oh, a cleaner environment, save the planet, cost a couple extra pennies. Yes, we'll do that. Yeah, but, 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 this is not about a cleaner environment. This is about wind and solar profiteering. Um, if, if, they, if, the people, if the people at the state capitol, if our state lawmakers here in Colorado actually cared about a cleaner environment, nuclear would be at the top of their list. It's not. Jared Polis says, well, if it made more economic sense. You know what? He obviously hasn't looked at the economics of it because it makes Far more sense. Our paper has shown it. Sh has shown it first. It, it showed it in 2019. It shows it again in 2023. And it isn't just our paper. Papers like these are throughout the country. All you'd have to do is look at it. But you know what? They are so in bed with wind and solar profiteering. Now, solar, solar at, at, a, at a small level, rooftop solar. Somebody wants to generate their own power. Go for it. Knock yourselves out. At an industrial scale. It makes absolutely zero sense, and I less than zero sense. The governor has been using a term he likes a lot for geothermal energy. 
he talks about the heat beneath our feet. To which I say, you mean coal and natural gas? And he goes, no, 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 geothermal. Uh, and that this is how we're going to get uh, to 100% renewable, is he's excited about this still pretty unproven technology of geothermal, which works on some small scales, but not in any industrial scale that I'm, I'm aware of. There's a pilot program someplace. Why, why won't he be right on that, or will he? Um, I, I, mean, I think he wants to because... Um you know, geothermal is is actually a promising technology. I mean, it really is. The funny thing about it is, you actually have to drill a well, and you have to you have to fracture to get the heat out. So it's whoa, 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 whoa. excuse uh, me. I, I, don't say it out no, loud. No, I, I want to hear. I want to hear this. The guy who was for fracking bans. Yeah. The guy who was putting the oil and gas industry out uh, because they don't like fracking. In order to make geo, you have to drill a well. Yeah, you and have to drill. Frack. You have to. You have to. Well, you have to get the heat out somehow. The heat has. To, you have to make it re- just as you have to have natural gas. You know, to get oil and shale oil and gas, you have to fracture it to get it to release. You have to do something similar. I mean, it doesn't just. It. It isn't like. Partly why I take just such delight in the fact that in order to get his pipe dream of of renewable energy, you have. To do hydraulic yeah, fracturing. Yeah, well, you're going to have to do some kind of fracturing of the, because you have to drill the well and you have to get it out. I mean, it doesn't just neatly come up. I mean, it's a cool technology. I think it. I think it's great. Um, but but it isn't. It isn't as simple as I'm going to put a spigot in the ground and all of a sudden all this heat shoots up. <laughs> you have <laughs> generators have, on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let me plug in the heat. That isn't. That I mean, you actually have to. It's a it's a resource that needs to be developed. It's no different than developing coal or or natural gas. I mean, you have to. I, I mean, I shouldn't say no different. That's not entirely true. It's a resource that has to be developed, and and I think we can do it. I'm one of these people who actually thinks we can develop our resources and do it responsibly because we've proven that we can. Air is cleaner. Water is cleaner. I think President Trump was a absolute champion on it when he said, you don't have to choose between clean water and a thriving economy. You don't have to choose between um, clean air and and keeping your kids warm. We can do all of it, and we proved that we could. This, this, um, this obsession with wind and solar to me is weird because it doesn't work. I mean, here, it here, works. Here, here. It works. It creates energy, but it cannot be a, the reliable source for a baseload energy system. It, no, it, and you need baseload. It, it's a boutique energy at best. Um, I, I, I was, coal is a baseload because you can store up ninety days worth of coal at the plant. Nuclear is a baseload. Is a baseload. Is a baseload. It, Hydroelectric it, can be a baseload depending on uh, yeah. the project. These, these are uh, oil, uh, oil and gas, natural gas uh, plants. If they're getting the gas, those can handle baseloads. So I read a contract that, um, or an application, this was out of North Carolina, which, by the way, has a whole lot more solar than Colorado does. Um, and I was reading one of the applications, and it said something about, I don't know if it was reliability or efficiency. Oh, it must have been reliability. You know, what is the reliability factor and the reliability factor of the solar plant is zero. Zero, because there, 
there is always a, ch- it's like, if the sun doesn't shine, you, you, you can't, you have no power. And it may have been the, the what, capa- or it may have been the capacity the factor. And I actually called a friend, hold on, at the PUC, and I, and I done now retired from the PUC, and and he flipped it. He said, "Would you get in a plane that wasn't a hundred percent reliable?" <laughs> I went, "Probably not." <laughs> he goes, he said, "So so why would you why would you you know put your econ- the state you know your entire state's economy." on power that wasn't reliable? He said, I mean, it's a good question. I thought, man, that's a great question. I hadn't thought about it in those terms. Would you get into a car that, yeah, you know, it works about 30% mm. of the time. Or would you put your, would you get in a plane that, you know, just depending on the weather, it's kind of like, it, it works about 30%. So your drunk Uncle Bob, <laughs> you know, he's, he's on the wagon now. Is he reliably sober? <laughs> Well, he won't let you. <laughs> yeah, we'll let babysit well, the kids. I mean, we'll it's see. Crazy. It, 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 it's a crazy idea. You need baseload power, and I don't know base why. Load for people who don't understand the, the baseload power is the power that um, a, a, a great way to put it is um, is it is reliable um, ninety nine or let's say ninety nuclear has got a reliability factor of ninety five percent. That means a thousand megawatt power plant is is um, generating power 95% of the time and the other 5% is probably it's offline for maintenance. When when in North Carolina, when there was a cold snap last year, I think it was winter storm, whatever, whatever it was. Um, as I, I mentioned, North Carolina has a lot of solar, um, but a third of its portfolio is nuclear. And you can actually, people like me, go on to the Energy Information Administration, and we like to watch the power generation in real time because you can see you can see what's generating and who's gener- and how much is generating. Nuclear, when it was bitter cold in North Carolina, nuclear, and this is exactly what you want to see: ten thousand megawatts, and it just flatlined like that, which meant during that the time it was so bitter cold, nuclear was at 10,000 megawatts producing power every day, every minute of every day during that cold snap. Here's solar. Okay, so about 10 o'clock in the, af- in, in the morning, and then it goes up to about <laughs> 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and then nothing. So it's like this. Like a little heartbeat. Yeah, yeah, which is not what you want to see on your power. Um, and so... Well, talk, talk to me about... Nuclear is the baseload. Talk to me about the reluctance of nuclear, because... I see a coming war inside the environmental movement. What I see are environmentalists who are cultish and they, they want uh, gold-plated windmills and nothing else and they want us all to live uh, uh, in caves again. And then I see other environmentalists who go, I want to cut emissions and wait a second, I can do arithmetic. So those environmentalists who can do arithmetic are seeing the exact same thing you're seeing, which is we cannot get there from here unless we do something, whether it's hydroelectric or nuclear, we will not be able to do that. And they might be sworn off of coal and natural gas, but they understand there's no way to get to where the cultists want to get without nuclear. And I see a split happening in the environmental community. Those who can do math, and want to get there, and those who I don't know if they really want to get there, I think they just 
they they believe in what they believe. I think I think that the divide is among um, that there is actually um, the part of the environmental movement that actually cares about people, the, like that actually believes people deserve to have affordable, reliable power, um, and and. The split in the environmental movement would be the Paul Ehrlichs of the world. Think of the population bomb. Um, Paul Ehrlich, Amory Lovins, who founded the Rocky Mountain Institute, lives up in, I think it's up in Aspen in his compound that has solar, where he can maximize solar. And right. So he can afford it. Um, people like Ron Benz. If you, if you notice this, I, old white guys. Really, really old white guys that um, don't want nuclear power. Paul Ehrlich actually said, giving, and this was in response to the rise of nuclear energy in the early 70s. He was super concerned about it because he, you know, he actually doesn't really like people or doesn't seem to. Um, he wrote, giving society cheap electricity is like giving an idiot child a machine gun. In other words, they're going to use it and use it dangerously. They'll do things like, oh, I don't heat know, start a business. Yeah, start heat their a business. Home, start a business. Start a factory. Yeah, maybe, maybe take a vacation. Maybe take a road trip. Stuff like that. So Paul Ehrlich, it, it, they will prosper. They will thrive and prosper. Paul Ehrlich wasn't a huge, huge fan of that. But there are those guys. So there is that divide in the environmental movement. You have the Sierra Club at odds with other groups that um, that are pro-nuclear, that get that nuclear is, is going to be part of the solution. I'll tell you where I think you see the biggest divide, though. It's with a younger generation. It's younger voters. Younger voters who, one, can't afford, they, they can't afford to buy a house because, by the way, the energy that all these policies have driven up the price is going into the price of these homes, making them unaffordable. Um, they when also, you say that, just for clarification, when you have to put in electric water heat, electric stoves, electric home heat, it's outrageously expensive, and right. a lot of the technology doesn't even really exist on any grand scale yet. And, and also remember, energy is in everything. So we're driving up the price of everything by driving up the price of energy. So um, they can't afford the new home, right? Um, but they're also they're enamored with new with 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 new technology. They are um, completely plugged into everything, so uh, they want their phone to be charged all the time. And for them, when they see nuclear, and they care about the environment, and they see nuclear, and they go, "Why aren't we using this?" They're the ones who are, it, you know. They they figured out the math themselves. They weren't exactly taught it, but they figured it out themselves. I think you'll see even um, among say young, even progressive left, Demo you know, Democrats, you will find them on the side of nuclear because they, they can th do the math. They can do the and and it's important to them to have power. Power matters. It, it and they can have zero admissions electricity. Right now. Everybody gets what, what they, they want. say they, they want. want. And that's why you look at the Sierra Club and others and, 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 I, and I'm going to throw it at the legislature. I do not think they actually care about emissions. I think they use emissions as a facade to build out wind and solar. And of course, Excel is going to do it. They've been, given, they've been given the authority to use the bank of the ratepayer to, to, right. to go in and, and they just... And they get to... 
There is no, you know, when I started in this business of trying to push a more freedom-oriented agenda in Colorado, I always thought that the school unions were the 800-pound gorilla. I've come to realize that maybe it's the energy monopolies and their cronies in the new energy world that are really the 800-pound gorillas. Not only do they have power at the Gold Dome, in every city, in every county, uh, Excel has people working to make sure that, that they keep building. Well, I'm no fan of Excel Energy, but I will say this. Having gone into other states, I've seen other utilities that are they know they're in the reliability business and that's important to them that if the power goes out their customers are are angry and rightfully so so or, or dead or i you know this is actually a matter of life and death people will die if they don't have power so 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 they're in that let me say this last there are there are much better actors in that space. The unfortunate thing is Colorado doesn't have them. Because we enable the bad actors. Well, be, well, yeah. Our legislators help them, our, our, our regulators help them. All right, last question. Okay. All right, lady, what the hell do you want? Uh, I'm at the end of my whiskey. So what is it you want in Colorado? Oh, I, what, what, do you, what do you want them to pass? What do you want them to veto? What, what are you looking for? Um, I want them, th I, it's not just me wanting them. Everyone in Colorado should be very concerned about grid reliability. And if the state does not put nuclear into statute and they don't start including reliable power, reliable sources in Excel's portfolio mix, like nuclear, the only thing I can tell you, I have two generators at home. I, and 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 the different sources. One is a um, one is a gasoline powered, and the other one is powered with very large solar panels. And I, so, depending on what happens, because you know that the reliability is going down. It it's it reminds me so much of all the science fiction movies. You know, the the astronomer is looking and doing the calculations, going. That comet is is crashing into in in here, and and we're going to kill everybody if we don't do something. Yeah, yeah, sure, it, Professor. We'll we'll study that. But you do you do I, this, and you realize there is not enough electricity for Colorado. There will be rolling blackouts. Yes, and people are going to be buying. I've got a generator, and it powers by gasoline or natural gas. Uh, and oh, wait a second, those are the fossil fuels, and that's not the worst way to generate. Power. So right, 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 and and so I I think about Lois Talktrop, back from the fuel switching wars. Right. Lois Talktrop, who Democrat, I, we all love Lois, uh, Blue Dog Democrat from Adams County, who went on the floor I, of the Senate during the fuel switching battle and said, "I'm going to invest in Snuggies because that's all my constituents are going to be able to afford." If I'm hearing you right, you would like the legislature to include nuclear energy in, as a renewable source? Uh, uh, or no, as a, it, well, as, it's not as a renewable. A re I, I would say nuclear energy should be considered a clean source of power, and it should be one that Excel should be including its portfolio. If they do not do that, and the state continues on this path to 
100% renewables, um, it, the, the infrastructure is going to falter. I, and that's I mean, that. It just, it just will. All you have to do is, is think about what happened in Texas, where 226 people died, 246 people died. But they and, say, oh, that was a fault of natural gas. Um, two, two things. One is that uh, wind and solar fell off because they're weather dependent. The other thing is, um, I'm a huge fan of natural gas, but it's an on-time resource. And if you can't get fuel through the pipeline, you have no power. Which is harder to do when it's cold. And for people to understand that, I started saying coal is, is reliable because you have 90 days supply yeah. on site. Right. So if the train tracks blow up, if the, the supply doesn't work, you have three months to, to figure fix out it. to <laughs> fix it. Natural gas is it on sat, time? Is, if, if the pipes go down, the electricity goes down. Sun goes down, that goes, wind goes down, but um, good old fashioned coal and, and nuclear. nuclear are on. And I'm going to say this about natural gas. The other issue with natural gas right now, um, and I don't think so much in Colorado, but in other states, and it will become a factor. Well, in Colorado, it'll depend, is that we don't have the pipeline infrastructure to deliver enough natural gas. So for instance, in North Carolina, um, it, the, the, pipe, the one pipeline is already fully subscribed. You can't build more natural gas unless you get the pipeline. Guess who's keeping the pipeline from getting? It's the environmental left, the same ones that, that didn't want Comanche um, to, to stay open for its full life cycle. Um, they also are trying to keep natural gas from getting to power plants and getting to homes. It, they it, want us to freeze to death? They want, yeah, they want you on an energy starvation diet. That's why I say, you know, get your generator. So short of that, I, I, I have two generators at our house in Colorado, two in my house in North Carolina. Thank you for that uplifting talk. <laughs> but, you know, the generator always works. <laughs> the generator always works. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> If you've enjoyed this episode of Devil's Advocate, I hope you'll share it with a friend. And I hope you'll subscribe and follow the show. We have new ones released weekly. Remember, this audio was taken from our TV show. To watch it, just search the letters IITV for Independence Institute TV on YouTube for this and many other great conversations.